Nintendo. Back with you, another edition of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trent and Biz talking the world of Hawkeye athletics for you. Biz, it's been a while. It's uh, been some time since we lost, last got together, but here we are on the heels of a defeat falling to Indiana. And to me, certainly the biggest game of the regular season after what we saw a year ago, those two matchups with Illinois, just how good they were. Getting another crack at the Illini coming up on Friday night. Excited for that. How are you? Doing good. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I can't, what's it been, three weeks since we were back together? Uh, you know, the Hawks uh, look like a well-oiled machine for, what, three weeks there? And then uh, decidedly less than well-oiled there for 10, 12 minutes. So I'm glad we didn't do a podcast the day after because I probably would have been very angry and, and a little uh, less calm and collected than I am now. It's with the, uh, the benefit of, Three or four days to think about it. I guess I'm not. I'm not as worried about that loss as I, as maybe I should be. I guess. You know, when you look back at the two Big Ten losses, the one that still rankles me is the Minnesota game even more than that one. And I understand home road. Usually, you're going to re- lose a road game, but I had that game against Minnesota one. They just they choked down the stretch. They they let it go the final minute of the game. They should have won that one. This one. They got outplayed. They got outplayed, and even when they were in control of the game for the first 29 minutes of it, they weren't playing great. They weren't playing at the level that you were expecting to see out of this squad. They kind of got what they deserved, and I don't feel that was the case for 39 minutes against Minnesota. Am I crazy? Well, I mean, that was a pretty simple game, Trent. When you, when you can't make shots, it's really hard to win, and we couldn't make shots against against the. Indiana. I mean, what we can't go three for three pretty much immediately, and I think we were four for our first seven on threes, and we didn't make a single three the last 32, 33 minutes of the game. And, you know, we've become so spoiled because our offense is such a well-oiled machine and really, I mean, I mean, you, you know the Ken Palm numbers way better than I do, but I mean, we're number one in offensive efficiency by, by quite a ways going into that game. So, I mean, to me, it's almost like the equivalent of like Alabama offense, you know, being shut out for a half of football. It just it doesn't happen very often, and you know, I, I think at this point, our offense certainly deserves the benefit of the doubt. I, I think that ten to twelve minutes was an aberration. You know, it, it happens. But we we didn't look like ourselves for that period, and you know, give Indiana credit. They, like you said, they outplayed us. They mm-hmm. they played really, really, really hard. And, you know, I kept thinking they were going to run out of gas. You know, they, they were shorthanded. They, they were working their butt off down low on guard. I kept thinking they were going to run out of gas and we just wear them out. And, uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen. We let them hang around, and then they got really, really confident down the stretch. Yeah, Jackson Davis, he was really good, and they were throwing doubles and triples and bringing guys from all over the place. And it felt like until that game, Luke had got so much better at seeing those double teams, seeing where they were going to come from, and getting rid of the ball and making the correct pass, that wasn't the case on Thursday. One of those games. I think that's what you chalk it up to. You hope that's all this is. But there is a few more steps here. And leaving the lost Indiana aside, the decision by the Big Ten not to move up the Illinois game to this past weekend, or at the very least, put another game in there for Iowa and Illinois, I think was incredibly short-sighted. We're seeing now what's happening at Michigan. They play the game Friday night. 
a Purdue team that actually had a guy that was positive going into it in Stefanovic, and yet they still allowed that game to happen. Now Michigan is shut down two weeks, not because of anything in the basketball program or even the athletic department. It's somebody in the athletic department, but they've been shut down by the state. The state of Michigan told them because of this new strength coming in from England that they need to shut down the program. Iowa chasing their first Big Ten title in 42 years, and I don't think there's a shot that everybody's going to get 20 games in. No, but I, I do think that news out of Michigan gives us a legit chance. To, you, know, you look at the Big Ten, you know, I think you and I have kind of thought from the beginning that, you know, if you could go 16-4 and four or even 15-5, and five, you know, you had a legit shot at winning the Big Ten this year. And I think that's definitely true other than Michigan. You know, and that two-week pause couldn't have come at a worse time for Michigan. You look at their schedule, the games that they're missing over those two weeks are at home versus Indiana, at Northwestern, and at home versus Michigan State. I mean, the way Michigan's playing, those are three automatic wins. And now they, they – my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, sir, but they can't even have individual workouts right. right now. They're literally like locked in, you know, locked in isolation for two weeks. And when they come back, their schedule is Illinois, at Wisconsin, Rutgers, at Ohio State, at Indiana, and then us. So, I mean, this, this kind of opens the window again for us. I mean, you may be right. They may not get to 20 games. It may be whatever. They may narrow it down to 18 or something like that. I don't know, I don't know what they're going to do, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, that news from Michigan is absolutely huge, huge for the Hawks' chances going forward. And, and you, I, you, I, I still feel pretty good that we can get to 15-5. and five. It's just the question mm-hmm. is, can 15-5, and five, is that good enough? Yeah, and Michigan might be 15-4, and four, and that half game is the difference. And that would be incredibly frustrating, especially if it – now, is a game against Indiana or Michigan State that doesn't get rescheduled, and that's the way that it plays out. They do have a little bit of an opening between the Ohio State and Indiana games. There's an opening there. That's a Sunday and then a Saturday following it up. After Indiana, before the Iowa game, they could play Tuesday leading into it. But this is another short-sighted part of what the Big Ten did when they put their schedule together. Now, I understand. The Big 12, they only have 18 league games because there's just 10 teams in that league as opposed to the 20. But they built in the final week. It was open for everybody. And leading into the conference tournament, they have the flexibility to put games in whatever is missed. They can put those in the final week. The Big 10 doesn't have that. That leads to my next question, Biz. There's been conversation. The Big 10 tournament's going to go from Chicago to Indianapolis. Is there even going to be a Big 10 tournament? There shouldn't be. I don't get why they feel they need to do a Big Ten tournament this year. It's just not worth the risk. I mean, what's the point of getting all those teams together one week before the tournament that matters this year? I mean, we're we're hanging by a thread with the season anyway. Why not just announce right now that you're going to use that last week to to catch up and, and try to get every, do everything you can to try to get everybody their 20 games and then focus on the NCAA tournament. I mean, the Big Ten is going to get 10 teams in the NCAA tournament regardless of, of what, if they have a conference tournament or not. I mean, there's no – I just don't see any reason why a conference tournament needs to be held this year. I mean, can you think of any at all? Money. I, I mean, that's well, – yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean <laughs> that's ultimately always the answer, seemingly, is money. I don't know what the contract states. I don't know – how much money is involved here, but 
an athletic department across the Big Ten landscape. Every one of them is looking for every single dime that they can find. That ultimately, I'm sure, is the decision from CBS with the semifinal games and the championship, the lead-in to Selection Sunday and everything that happens there. Another thing that I've seen bandied about from time to time, Matt Norlander, who I know over at CBSSports.com, really good guy, really plugged in, and he uh, mentioned he's talked to some coaches that said, you know what? There's going to be teams that are already locked in that very well could just say, we're not going to our conference tournament. It's not worth it. And what if all of a sudden the Big Ten tournament turns into Rutgers, Indiana, Penn State, Nebraska, Northwestern playing for the automatic bid? Very well could be a realistic possibility. That's what we see. Because if you're Iowa, what do you really have to play for? If you already feel like you're locked in, you're going to be a two or three seed in the tournament, that's where you are. What does going to Indianapolis do for you short of very likely hurting yourself and putting yourself in a position where you can't play in the tournament and teams like that. I think that's a realistic possibility we can see. And if you're the Big Ten, you don't want to have that, do you? No. I mean, I, I mean to me, this is one of those situations, Trent, where the, the Big Ten just needs another domino to fall somewhere else. They need the ACC or the Big 12 or somebody to announce that they're they're canceling their tourney, and then the Big Ten will fall in line. I think they're so gun shy to be the, you know, after they shot themselves in the foot with football, and, and you know they thought that everybody would just fall in line behind them, and they didn't. I mean, I think they just don't want to be the first one to come out and say we're not doing the conference tourney. So, I mean, my gut feeling is that at some point, another conference is going to say we're not going to do it, and then everybody's going to say it. So, um, but that's. You know that that's to me that's that's logic, and that's not money talking. And so probably in the end they'll probably have all the tournaments, and then you know there'll probably be some sort of a uh, super spreader at one of those, and then you've got a whole a whole other mess. So yeah, I don't know. It just again, you're you're right. It comes down to money and money talks, and so they'll probably have those tournaments. But uh, from a purely selfish perspective, when you're talking about a, a once in a generation Iowa team, I really hope they don't have the tournament. They just need to focus on the tournament that matters, and that's the one that starts the week after in in Indianapolis. Here's another uh, component, and maybe it's just because of our perspective, because of the 42-year drought for a regular season title. If you asked an average Big Ten fan, what would you rather see, making sure you get to 20 conference games or the conference tournament, what do you think the percentages would be in that a non-Iowa fan in the Big Ten voting for what they'd rather see? Oh, probably more people would say they like the tournament. Yeah. I mean, it's and in, in, and in a normal year, I would say the same thing. I mean, I, I, like, I love the conference tournaments. Man. I think they're a fun, they're a really fun four days of basketball. You know, it's just enjoyable to watch. But this is not a normal year, and this is not, I mean, it, it, to me, it's, so I, I, I'll change my answer on that. I think this year, I think more people would vote to just. I, I don't think there would be a huge public outcry or anger if they dropped the tournament this year. I think most people would look at it and say that's probably the sensible decision. But people aren't sensible. We know that ultimately. No, well, and yeah, well, and it's not the money making decision. Right. Well, uh, speaking of people not being sensible, Jordan Bohannon had one of his worst games and certainly his worst shooting game of his career in that loss to Indiana. Before that, though, 
The dude was an absolute fire. Conference games only. He's second in the Big Ten in offensive rating, second in efficiency, field goal percentage, on and on and on, shooting 45% from three. It was ugly Thursday. Concerns are chalking it up, and his importance to this team, it's not just him shooting the ball, which is a big part of it, but his swagger, when he has it, this team is different. Well, I mean, it's pretty simple, Trent. You just look at how he played in the three losses compared to the 12 wins. And I'll just say, I'm pretty proud of myself because I, I found this information all by myself. Oh, wow. I, yeah, I gave Stat Boy the week off because, honestly, you and I just slapped this together at the last minute. But, uh, Believe yeah, it or not, we actually do plan normally. Yeah. So this is my – well, uh, plan might be a, uh, a stretch. <laughs> we, we send a text saying, do you want to do this, basically? And then, mm-hmm. and then I send a text to Stat Boy saying, uh, find us some good info. But I, I didn't take that second step this week, Trent. So, so here's, here's the info from me. So it was probably wrong. So, but if you look at it, the three losses, his numbers are not just bad. They are brutal. Four for 26 shooting from the floor – one for 20 from three-point range. But then, like you said, it's not just the shooting. It affects his whole game. He's just not as aggressive. He's not as confident. In those three losses, a total of eight assists and six turnovers. So, And as you'll see here in a sec, I mean, that's, that almost one-to-one turnover ratio is, is not even close to what he does when we win. So, so yeah, three losses, the, the common denominator in those three losses were we got bad j um, on the flip side, you want to hear how he's done in the 12 wins? Oh, I bet it's ridiculous if you take those games away. Yeah, the 12 wins, he is 45 for 98 from the floor, but he's, he's 38 for 84 on threes. And then assists, 62 assists and 15 turnovers. So you're looking at a 4-1 to one assist to turnover ratio, and you're looking at a guy that's shooting well, 47% from three-point range in those wins. So... You know, I don't think it can be overstated just how important he is to this team. I know he's kind of the uh, the internet whipping boy, and, and people love to get mad at him, and, and he brings a lot of that on himself with some of the things he says and does on the internet. But uh, the fact of the matter is we need him, and we need him badly. And, and that's especially true if we're not going to get a healthy C.J. Frederick um, over the next you know six to eight weeks. If Without C.J. Frederick, J. Bo... Has to, we have to have good J-Bo if this team still has the uh, same hopes that we've been talking about all year. We're picking nits here about it's still a team ranked in the top 10 nationally, but the decision, as you can see throughout that game, Bohannon just didn't have it. I mean, the shot wasn't falling, and it also was impacting the other parts of his game. To not even pull him out of the game, because I think you still want to roll with him. You still want to give him a chance to shoot himself out of it. But to not put Tucson in during that stretch and, and have Bohannon run the two, and we saw them pushing some different buttons. Fran went to Perkins for a while. We had the the uh, foul trouble that was happening with Keegan Murray. So I was just surprised. I'm not asking for a benching of Bohannon and put Tucson in there. I know there was a lot of scuttlebutt on Twitter and the like about that. But play those two guys together and try to get Bohannon going that way. Yeah, and I know, I mean, people – Joe, Joe Toussaint's kind of the opposite of Jabo. Everybody loves him on the internet. Yes, yes. I mean, and everybody loves when you get to see a good Joe Toussaint. But the fact of the matter is, Joe Toussaint has not been good the last, basically since the Minnesota loss. I mean, you look at his numbers, Trent. 
up until Indiana when he, he got a bunch of garbage buckets and layups down the stretch. I'll, I'll just read to you here. Here's his numbers, you know, since Minnesota. The Minnesota game, he was 1 for 6 from the field. Northwestern 0 for 2. Rutgers 0 for 2. Maryland 2 for 6. Minnesota 1 for 3. Northwestern 1 for 3. I mean, just do the math on that, Trent. That's what, 3 for 20 from the field shooting? And then assist to turnovers. I mean, his assist to turnover since the Minnesota game, his assists are 3 0 0 1 2 2. His assist turnovers are 0 2 2 1 2 3. So, I mean, you're looking at a 1 to 1 assist to turnover ratio and a guy that's shooting 15% from the field. So, I, I love Joe Tucson. I, I think he's going to be a good player down the stretch, but he has not been good. <laughs> I mean, I know, like I said, people love to sing his praises, and he's a lot of fun when things are going well, but he has been a, a turnover waiting to happen when he plays lately. I mean, and it, I, I don't get I – mean, the fact of the matter is, Trent, people better accept the fact that we're, we need to, we're going to ride, ride or die with Jay Bo this mm-hmm. year, and we need to. I mean, we're just a better team with him on the floor when we get the good Jay Bo. I mean, when we, you know, unfortunately – we just said, you know, when we when we get the bad Jabo, it's it's really bad right now. He just for whatever reason, he's either the cocky, borderline confident guy. I mean, that Minnesota game at home was an absolute clinic. I mean, there aren't many games ever in the history of basketball where a guy has 14 assists and zero turnovers. And you know, when he's like that, we are we're a totally different team. But you know, he was not only didn't shoot the ball well. Against Indiana, but he just he didn't he didn't do anything. He didn't pass. He didn't uh, he didn't have that confidence. So he needs to have it, or uh, we're definitely not the same team. You know, we haven't talked uh, in a while, as we talked about at the top, going back away is the win against Rutgers, where you know we saw the freshmen come in, the freshman guards, both Ulis and Perkins, and play really well. I, I pose this to uh, the listeners of my radio show: Who's the starting point guard next year? Is it a foregone conclusion that is Joe Toussaint, or is it a stretch for Aaron Euless to win that role? I, I don't know if we see enough of Euless to say one way or the other, I guess. I, mean, I think Toussaint will be given the benefit of the doubt at the start of the year. I think he's, you know, he's been around long enough, and I think Fran's going to give him his shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's an interesting question because, you know, assuming Conor McCaffrey doesn't get drafted for baseball or anything and he's back next year, you know, if you're starting mm-hmm. Conor McCaffrey and Joe Toussaint both, I mean, that's, that's two guys that can't shoot. You know, it'd be nice if we could kind of split up their minutes a little bit because uh, with those two on the floor together, uh, there's not going to be a lot of floor spacing, put it that way. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. They need shooters and uh, need a healthy C.J. Frederick, as you talked about, not just this year but going forward. That's conversations for Have you heard anything on Frederick? Is he... No, no, it has been uh, – reached out a few times. We we might have to use our uh, inside connection, see what we can uh, dig up there, because it has been radio silent on that front. And just, again, you can read too much into comments and what was said. What France said after the game, that was concerning to me. He's had a history of, of issues that it seems like in the past it's always lingered a little bit. And so, you know, obviously it would have been nice to have had that game against Nebraska on Sunday and just beat him up. But um, you know, in the end, the eight days may be a real blessing because it might be able to get him healthy. And uh, I would assume we're going to see a really angry Iowa basketball team on Friday. And to us, should be a fun one with Illinois coming in. Talk about that one maybe a little bit later on. Before that, though, let's talk some football biz. Uh, feels like 
basically everything is official on the football front. Who's going to be back? Who's out there? Matt Lorbeck, who uh, came in as a grad transfer, him and Jack Heflin from Northern Illinois, decided before even playing that he's going to enter the transfer portal. He'll be gone and maybe hurting the depth up front, though a guy that had a free year this year didn't get on the field. I don't know how big of a deal that is. The biggest one, though, Matt Hankins coming back for another year. Yeah, well, and I, and I think the Caleb Shudik news coming back is, is huge as well. I mean, I, you know, all things considered, you got to really be happy, you know, with how everything played out. I, I would have loved to have seen the other guy from Illinois, Eflin, come back, and I had heard he kind of debated it for a while. But, uh, I mean, man, you give, uh, you give Phil Parker – a full returning secondary. I'm pretty excited to see just how, how good that you know, the back seven can be next year. I mean, and I had heard rumors from people for weeks that Hankins was thinking about it. I just didn't ever, didn't ever think it would actually happen. So, I mean, he has a chance to be, I mean, I thought he was really, really good this year and he's good both in pass coverage and coming up and, and helping in run support. And I think he has a chance to be, you know, Desmond King, Josh Jackson type good next year. So uh, you look at the football team, what they have coming back, and it opens at least as the schedule is currently constructed with a top 10 preseason Indiana team and a top 10 Iowa State team at Jack Trice to open things up. What do you got to go back to uh, Hayden when he went crazy in the schedule there and what was that, 90, 91, something like that, with uh, the Miami game in Colorado when he overscheduled here? Iowa hasn't played games like this to open up the season you don't normally think Indiana and Iowa State, though, are going to be those teams. No, and I, honestly, I, I kind of like the – I mean, I like the schedule. I think Indiana – I mean, if you're going to be a top 15, top 20 team, you need to beat Indiana at home. And I, I think we are capable of doing that, and I think it's a, it's a great way to start your year. And, and for once, when we play the clones, if we uh, if we lose, there'll be no, certainly no embarrassment to losing to the clones next year. Which, uh, you know, so even if you come out of those two games one and one, you, you haven't hurt yourself at all. I mean, you're, you're probably actually, you know, unless you get blown out by by one of them. I mean, those are probably going to be two, I would think, nationally televised games, and you're going to get a lot of uh, publicity. So if you can come out of those games two and zero. Oh, I mean, heck, what are you going to be ranked? If you beat, you beat both Indiana and Iowa State to start the year, we're probably a top-five team, I would think, coming out of that, aren't we? Oh, I don't think there's any doubt, yeah. You get those two victories, and including on the road, yeah, you're, you're going to jump up very quickly. It's Kent State after that in Week 3, followed by Colorado State, and then uh, Big Ten play continues with the final eight games. Road games at Northwestern, Maryland, Nebraska, and Wisconsin this season, but Scott Docterman had an article at the athletic a few weeks ago. Don't write this one in pen right now. There's a possibility because of the shifting they had to do with this year's conference schedule that they would do the same and they could possibly move that Iowa, Indiana game, do something like that. So uh, very well could be a different looking schedule for 2021 in the big 10. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. It may, this whole discussion may be irrelevant because they may, may flip it up on us a little bit. But, yeah, I, I hope they don't. I, I, like I said, I, I'm, I, for one, kind of excited to see that, that type of a start. And, you know, I'm sure if, if they do switch it up, it seems like every time they switch up the schedule, rarely does it come out well for the Hawks. 
So we haven't uh, heard from Kirk normally. Well, I shouldn't say normally, but the last few years we've got a, a January press conference. That hasn't been the case this year. The way the season ended, not getting the game against Michigan and Missouri to finish things up. I guess we'll have to wait until the next signing day to hear from Coach Ferentz and look forward to spring football. But that's still a great unknown, too. I, it felt like back during the summer and early fall, uh, spring football, by then we should be back to normal. Who knows at this point, Biz? Yeah, I mean, I would be surprised, I guess, if spring football is normal at this point. I and mean, I think they'll be very, very conservative, I would think, at least for the next few months. I and mean, maybe a delayed spring where you start, you know, after everybody's back, you know, you come back from spring break and do, you know, a week or two of you know, just make sure everybody's back clean and healthy, and then do it, do it the month of April or something like that. Might be yeah. uh, might be more realistic this year. Yeah, and get a little bit more time and push it back. We'll see how that looks out. Uh, how about uh, the twenty twenty now twenty one continuing here, and we're trying to get guys to flip from Louisiana to be a running back and can't even do that. Possibility that uh, the Hilson kid from Des Moines North right here, I can't remember the last time the Polar Bears had a football player on on the uh, football team in Iowa City, but we'll see if he has the grades that come in to do it. Just uh, weird recruiting here going on as, as they look to just feel a running back spot. You're going to have an opportunity to play next year because uh, Goodson, you don't feel like could probably do it on his own. I saw the note about the kid from Des Moines. Are they recruiting him as a running back? Running back is probably where he will start is uh, is what the word that I have received is that where he would start. But he's a really good athlete. He's a linebacker. Maybe even could be a, a guy that could play that cash position. There's a lot of different things that they could do with him, but it sounds like he would start at running back. Yeah, and it's interesting to hear. All I saw was his comments, and he's certainly reading into it. That if his grades, uh, if his grades add up, and and he is accepted, then the the, the, the scholarship is there waiting for him. I'd be interested to know if that's actually the truth or not. My guess is if the kid, one of the other guys, guys from down south, Louisiana or Alabama. If any of those were to say yes tomorrow, I would guess his uh, his scholarship would, would probably be out the window, wouldn't it? Yeah, that more than likely. I think you're right on that front. And we'll see what they do here in the uh, the final minutes. Looking forward to next year. Xavier Wonkba called a bunch of his games at Southeast Polk. He uh, just uh, picked up a, a re-offer from Michigan. I saw they'd already offered him, and it was weird with the new coaching staff on the defensive side, though, coming in. I guess that was the part of it. Uh, 2022 shaping up to be a lot of good kids here from Central Iowa, and uh, as a whole, we'll see what they can do on that front. Biz, so that's football. Anything else on the football front? I don't think so. I mean, I, I always just you know cross your fingers this time of year and hope that our coaching staff stays intact. And from everything I've heard, it sounds like they're going to, which uh, you know that would be that would be huge because. I think we've got a lot of momentum going in the right direction right now, and if we can somehow keep, you know, Copeland and Woods and Wallace and all those guys together, I mean, this team has a chance to be uh, pretty darn good next year. Let's see uh, if that turns out to be the case. Iowa, Illinois on the hardwood on Friday night. Contentious, a lot of jaw in the last year with those two games. I gotta anticipate we're gonna see the same thing. Now, gonna be different, not having the orange crush there, but it's something certainly both teams are used to at this point. You feel good about the Hawks though going into that one? Yeah, I do actually. I mean, 
I watched Illinois quite a bit this year, and something's not quite right about them. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have they don't have a lot of uh, team cohesiveness. I would say they they don't move the ball all that well. You know, I, the ball really sticks at IU a lot. They don't have great outside shooting. They're not. They're you know it's kind of hit and miss with that. But I mean, I think we're going to get the best version of Illinois on Friday. Also, I mean, I think sometimes they've kind of you know, gone through the motions. We I mean, know Fluster was a perfect example. They went through the motions for one half and were down, what, 15 at the half, and then the second half they outscored them like 55 to 15 or something ridiculous like that. So when you get the good Illinois, they're really, really good. But, uh, you know, they don't look as good as I thought they were going to be. That's for sure. I'm right there with you. I thought they were a national championship contender, and, and something feels off here. We'll see if it all comes. And I think it has something to do. You know, the Miller kid, he was really hyped coming into the year. Doesn't feel like he's quite clicked yet. And Trent Frazier, that dude, didn't he, was he in the backcourt with Kwame Garris? That guy's been around forever. Um, I'm assuming that he'll be a guy that will decide this year was a uh, yeah. a free year and just come back next year. Yeah. And, he, you know, and I, along those same lines, I was watching Wisconsin. I was like, you know how old Demetrius Trice is? He's like 24, isn't he? 25. He's 25. He's 25 years old. I heard a stat, it was a week or two ago, and I, I don't know if I have it exactly right, but I, I think it is that their starting five is older than the Chicago Bulls starting five. Average age. Probably, probably better as well. I, I, just, I, mean, <laughs> I, 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 I say that I couldn't name a single player on the Bulls. I just know they're bad. They are. Zach Levine, he's still there. But Reavers, Potter, Trice, Davidson, Ford, all seniors on this squad. Big Ten ultimately, is it Michigan that wins it? If I give you Michigan in the field to win the regular season title, who are you taking? Michigan. Taking Michigan, okay. Yeah, I just think they're, I mean, I think they're the best team. And, you know, I think they're, they've got that chip on their shoulder. It's kind of, you know, Reminds me a little bit like Illinois last year. They, like Illinois played with that anger, and you watch Michigan play. Man, they uh, they get after you on the defensive end. Which, you know, I, I wasn't sure Jawan Howard would. You know, I knew he'd be able to recruit, and I knew he'd, he'd bring in the talent. I wasn't sure he would would get them to play as hard as they did for Beeline, and they certainly have up to this point. Well, and bringing in Phil Martelli, I, what a great job that is. And we've seen different teams do this and bring in the guy with NBA pedigree or the former player, but you also put the right guy next to him. Now, Iowa State did that with Bobby Lutz, and it's it's a huge step forward. And Martelli, that dude won a lot of games at St. Joe's. You put a guy right next to Howard on the bench, it was a stroke of genius there. They're doing a really good job at Michigan. and eh, They're easy to root against just because of their success, but also a team that's a little bit different. I don't hate them at the same level that I get frustrated with the Michigan State's and the Wisconsin's, and even the Illinois of the world. Michigan a little bit easier, I guess, to, to not have to dislike. Yeah, for me, I, I hate Wisconsin at a level that's like twice as much as everybody else in the Big Ten. I just get so sick and tired of them uh, reloading. You know, you mentioned they got five five seniors. Some, somehow they'll still be in the, in the battle for the top four next year. Yeah. They do it every year somehow. It's impossible, and yet they do it. It doesn't matter the turnover that they have, how awful the roster might look on paper. 
They just always find a way. All right, Biz. Hey, uh, one more thing uh, quickly before we got a couple of betting notes to get into. But how about the uh, the work just uh, less than a week ago? It was on Friday. Pat Angerer putting together a uh, a benefit fundraiser just up on GoFundMe for Dace Richardson, guy that's uh, now a cop over here in my neck of the woods over in Waukee, raising over $80,000 in just uh, over a day before apparently Day said, all right, that's enough. Uh, let, let's shut this thing down. He wanted to shut it down a lot earlier, but going through colorectal cancer, had eight inches of his colon removed, but certainly some great news there and, and showing Hawkeye fans what they can do coming together and helping out a former Hawk. Yeah, it's, it's a great story. And just, you know, well, it's a truly, you know, obviously a very sad story with Dace. I mean, a great story about just Iowa fans and how they come together in these situations. And, you know, it's it's heartwarming to see. And, you know, to be honest, I think most fan bases would probably do something similar. But, uh, you know, it, the, the fact that they did it, not only, like you said, raised 80000 but they had to shut it down. I mean, literally, it would probably be twice that amount right yeah. now if, uh, if Dace hadn't stepped in and said, hey, that's, you know, Let's let's shut it down. So you know, you, you know, thoughts and prayers to, to him and his family, and you know, you hope that uh, you know they went in and, and take out whatever you said, eight feet of of, of his innards, basically. You pray and hope that they got everything. So, uh, no doubt about it. All right, Biz. Uh, speaking of football, Super Bowl, we're just over a week away. Well, a week and a half, I guess, away from this one. So. You uh, mentioned in the notes, Super Bowl look ahead. What do you got? Anything that, that jumps off the page? Of course, I just made a killing last night betting against Iowa State. So now I got just money to burn. Yeah, that was a good, good find by you, Trent. Finding early that the clones were playing with their uh, JV squad last <laughs> night. Uh, I'm shocked that they didn't take that game off. But it was still on the board. You could bet it at minus five right up till tip off, which. Uh, you know, there aren't many uh, games you can feel more confident about going into it. And then, and then of course, Oklahoma State went out and played like uh, they were sleepwalking for the first eight minutes. So, but uh, good call by you. And so, yeah, just just looking, Trent, any uh, Super Bowl lines or, or bets that jump out at you now that you're uh, you're on a hot streak? Uh, I like the over, and I'm not a total player. I I don't. When we get to this part of our uh, contest that we do where we pick five games weekly, I'm not good at props. I don't feel nearly as confident at doing it. Totals are the same thing. So I get a little gun shy at times. I think I need to come up with a new way to do that. So maybe help us out here. Throw me an idea. Hit us up on Twitter. You can find Jace at Jace Hawk or me at Trent Condon because I need a little bit of help here. What's the best way to tackle? Is it to go out there, get that big prop sheet, and just – try to whittle it down to your 10 favorite and throw the same amount on every one of them? Is it just throwing a couple of the long-distance ones together? Do you like playing props when it comes to the Super Bowl, Biz? Um, yeah, well, the, you know that myself and two of our friends always kind of find games to bet together. Mm-hmm. And one of the two of them, uh, our, our, our horse racing guru, Melt, likes, likes to find a bunch of props for us. Okay. So. He takes the guesswork out of it. He find he finds them, and then we just have to pick which side we like. So, so I do it, but uh, it's it's the best way to do it because he finds all the good ones and then just tells us what to do. So, it's the best kind of gambling when someone else does all the uh, the, the hard work for you, and all you have to do is just pick a side. Yeah, it's just 
there's too many. It's overwhelming, and that might be the angle. Find an angle even before you look at them. That could be a way if there's anything statistically you like to look at or anything that you believe in and go that route. That's where I am. Ultimately, I'll bet way too many of them. I'll end up losing more than I win, and, and I'll be frustrated at the end of it. But it's the last football game to bet on here for the season. it got to come out double fist firing. Yeah, and to me, I think don't overthink it, Trent. I just think Kansas City is a significantly better team, and I don't know why the spread's as low as it is. Just, just take the Chiefs. They're going to win by seven or more. Well, and that's actually another thing uh, to bring up is I have a future that I bet on. Oh, it was well. It was on January first when everything was coming out here in our state, where you don't have to go to a casino, sign up now. And when I was doing it, I threw up uh, fifty bucks in a couple of different accounts and hit all the free money they were basically giving away. One of them had a free twenty-five dollar wager. I think it was Bet Rivers, and I just threw it on the Chiefs. And at the time, I think they were three to one to win the Super Bowl. So I got a hedging opportunity if I wanted. Here, you get Tampa at plus money. I think I'd have to have the money line go a little bit higher, though, before I start taking away my profit, because I see it the same way. I think the Chiefs are just too good. I, having said I'll say that with a caveat, because I also felt very confident in the Packers. <laughs> I did, too. Yeah. Well, but, uh, you know, the Packers found every possible way to, to lose that game. So, you know, if the Chiefs play as poorly as the Packers did and they shoot themselves in the foot um, on repeat like the Packers did, then obviously all bets are off. But, uh, to me, it's pretty simple. When the Chiefs are locked in and motivated, and they clearly are right now, I just think they're they're a touchdown better than everybody in the NFL right now. Alternate point spread: lay six and a half with the Chiefs, you get plus one fifty-five. Lay nine and a half, plus two twenty. Lay thirteen and a half, plus three sixty. Jumping on anything like that? I feel pretty good about right. anything about that. I think you're getting greedy. Yeah, probably been there a time or two. Well, we got another week. If uh, Biz, we'll try to get together maybe next week and come up with a few Super Bowl props that I that I've been firing at or at least making my way towards, and we will do that. Hopefully, it'll be after a Hawkeye victory against Illinois. But before we leave, Biz, time once again for Business Beat. Hey, kids, gather around for Business Beat of the day. Okay, here's. Business beat of the day. Well, this week, uh, business beat is uh, a little different. It's uh, RIP to uh, a true legend, Hank Aaron. Um, you know, my, he is my dad's idol for as long as I can can remember. And so I just did a little look, and I mean, it's truly amazing when you look into the stats of Hank Aaron. Just a how great he was, but even more so how consistent he was. From 1955 to 1975, Trent, he was an all-star all 21 years in a row. And from 1955 to 1971, for 17 straight years, every year he hit at least 25 home runs, batted at least 279, had at least 85 RBIs, had at least 164 hits, and came to the plate at least 575 times. So, and in all those years, he never, ever, ever struck out 100 times in a year. So, even if you took out every home run that Hank Aaron ever had, the man still had over 3,000 hits. So, I mean, everybody talked about him as the home run king, but he was he was way, way more than that. And that's just obviously his contributions on the diamond. He he obviously did 
so many other things off the diamond as well. So, uh, you know, rest in peace to, to Hammer and Hank. He's, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a sad day for my dad, and, and I know probably a sad day for a lot of people of that generation. Uh, no doubt. Well said, Biz. And, uh, yeah, I'm doing the same looking through, the, through these numbers and just the incredible year after year, the consistency every time out. Here's another thing I didn't realize. He had, what, double-digit steals in seven, eight consecutive years, including a high of 31-1 season, stole 25 different times in his career. It wasn't just the power. He was a complete baseball player. Yeah, like I said, just a model of consistency. I mean, you, when you pull up baseball reference and look at his numbers, I mean, it's just, it's just a machine. Year in, year in and year out, I mean, to me, I mean, the fact that you batted basically 280 or above 17 straight years, that, that's pretty impressive. Well, we will uh, – good stuff there, Biz. Talk next week before the Super Bowl in Iowa after the Illinois game Friday night. They will play Ohio State on Thursday. Possibility getting one of those makeup games in maybe Monday or Tuesday of next week. We will see. Biz, good talking to you again. Yeah, go Hawks. Let's hope they get back on the, uh, the winning track on Friday.